There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. A scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Morning. Murder. Every parent worries about their child's safety, and some are even convinced that they have the ability to sense when danger is near. On October 7th, 1991, a young girl was born who would go against her mother's intuition. A decision that should have just been some teenage rebellion, but unfortunately turned deadly. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Brittany Drexel was born in Rochester, New York on October 7th, 1981 to teenage parents and at birth was diagnosed with persistent hyperplastic primary vitreous in the right eye that would require several surgeries and, when she was older, contact lenses that gave her a very distinct appearance. Shortly after her arrival, Brittany's mother married a man who adopted her, and when his military service was finished, the family settled into the Rochester suburb of Chile. Living a relatively normal life, when Brittany was just 17 years old, in April of 2009, she asked her mother if she could go to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina with some of her friends and a boyfriend over spring break. Don Drexel refused, saying she did not know the other kids going and was worried that another adult wouldn't be present. She would later claim that she had a premonition and knew something bad was going to happen. This, of course, led to some arguments between mother and daughter. And finally, on April 22nd, Brittany seemed to give in and asked if she could instead spend a day or two with a friend of hers in order to calm down. Dawn agreed and Brittany walked out of the door and went straight to Myrtle Beach. Three days later, she and some friends arrived at the Bar Harbor Hotel and Brittany called her mother and told her that she was at the beach. Dawn, assuming she meant the nearby beach along the Lake Ontario shoreline, wasn't too worried and told her daughter to have some fun. She had no clue that this was the last time she would ever speak to Brittany. And later that day, the teenager left her hotel room to go meet with some friends and was never seen again. Last seen on cameras leaving at around 8.45 p.m. and walking towards the Blue Water Resort, Brittany had been texting with her boyfriend, who ended up staying in Rochester due to work, when suddenly all communication stopped at 9.15. Worried, he began calling her friends to see if they knew where she was or what might have happened to her. When that didn't pan out, he went ahead and called Don Drexel to not only tell her that her daughter was actually in South Carolina, but to tell her that he couldn't get a hold of her and didn't know where she was. After calling her husband, Don called the Rochester police in hopes they could establish communication with officers in Myrtle Beach. The search for the teenager began the following morning, and security footage was pulled from the Blue Water Resort. After finding the friends whom she was attempting to go meet, investigators spoke with a nightclub reporter that Brittany had known from Rochester, who claimed to have met up with her the night before. Though it's unclear if he was dubbed a person of interest at the time, he and the men he was sharing the hotel with were questioned during the investigation. They then began searching Brittany's hotel room and found all of her belongings except for her purse and cell phone. Tracking the pings from the phone, they followed a path 50 to 60 miles south of Myrtle Beach and into an area along U.S. Route 17 near the Georgetown-Charleston County line, a path that abruptly stopped early in the morning on April 26th. 
For 11 days, police searched the surrounding areas and came up empty-handed. And in 2011, they searched an apartment in Georgetown, but walked away with absolutely nothing. While the investigation continued at a very slow pace, Don Drexel and Peter Brozowitz, the club promoter who saw Britney that night, went on to the Dr. Phil show and had several public confrontations. Peter expressed his frustration that his reputation was damaged by the investigation, and Don desperate for answers involving her daughter's disappearance. By this point, Don had relocated to Myrtle Beach permanently so she could be close to the investigation. In 2014, on the case's fifth anniversary, Don told the press her theory that Britney was, quote, promised something of interest, possibly a modeling job, and that it had enticed her enough to disobey her mother's orders. She believed that her daughter was trafficked, but the Myrtle Beach police did not agree and claimed that there was little to no trafficking in their jurisdiction. Though the investigation continued, it was mainly left under wraps until 2016, when they informed the public that a prison inmate had told them that Brittany Drexel was abducted and murdered. This was the first time they publicly expressed the belief that Brittany was dead, and said that she had likely been killed shortly after her abduction in the Georgetown area where her cell phone pings ended. A $25,000 reward for information was offered, and two months later, the Charleston Post and Courier reported information about a bond hearing for an inmate named Timothy Deshaun Taylor. Apparently, an FBI agent named Garrick Munoz testified that, earlier that year, another inmate named Taquan Brown began serving a 25-year sentence for manslaughter and told investigators that, in 2009, shortly after Britney's disappearance, he had gone to visit a, quote, stash house to bring money to a man named Sean Taylor. Sean was the father of Timothy Taylor. And according to, as he walked through the house, he saw Timothy sexually assaulting the missing girl with others present. He quickly made his payment. And as he talked with Sean, he saw Brittany run from the house and recaptured, was pistol whipped by Timothy and dragged back inside. He then claimed to have heard two gunshots and assumed the girl was dead. He even said he saw a wrapped up body being removed from the house and thrown into a nearby alligator pond. According to Garrick Munoz, the details Taquan gave partially corroborated the information received from another informant who was being held in the Georgetown County Jail. He claimed Timothy picked up Brittany in Myrtle Beach, drove her to McClellanville, and showed her off to his friends to try and sell her to the highest bidder. When news started to spread reporting her disappearance, Timothy allegedly got spooked and killed her to avoid an arrest. He was taken into custody years later for his role as a getaway driver in a 2011 robbery at a Mount Pleasant McDonald's. And just after being sentenced to probation, he was charged again in connection to the Drexel case. A charge his lawyer called a, quote, squeeze based on nothing more than the accusations of two jailed informants. While a number of legal battles took place and hoops were jumped through to try and bring Timothy to trial, in February of 2019, Taquan gave a telephone interview from prison and claimed that, though his initial story was still true, there was a little more to it than he originally said. He claimed this time that he had actually seen Brittany Drexel on at least four occasions before she was killed. He said the first time was on April 27th, when she was being sexually assaulted by 8 to 12 young men, and though he did not recognize her at the time, 
He knew exactly who she was when he saw her a month later, as the media had already taken a hold of the story. He said the second encounter was the one that he described to the FBI agent. But despite seeing what he thought was her body being carried out, he claimed to have seen her two more times near his cousin's Jackson Borough property, and that it was there where she was finally killed. He said that he knew the man who shot her with a double-barreled shotgun was someone he knew only as Nate, and that he and his friend immediately left the area out of fear that they would be named as accomplices. With parts of his story allegedly corroborated, Taquan Brown filed a suit against a number of agents who he said publicly identified him and gave him the dangerous reputation as a snitch. He said Timothy Taylor had offered $15,000 to anyone who killed him and that he had already been physically attacked. Throughout all of this back and forth, media speculation, and public outrage, investigators continued to work the case and in May of 2022, arrested a man and charged him with murder, kidnapping, and first-degree criminal sexual conduct. That man, however, was not Timothy Taylor. It was a registered sex offender named Raymond Moody. According to the stories, the 62-year-old man turned himself into the Georgetown County Sheriff's Office on an obstruction of justice charge and had, unbeknownst to everyone, been a person of interest in the case for a decade. They claim that the day after Brittany Drexel disappeared, police in a nearby town had stopped the car being driven by Raymond Moody. Though this seemed like nothing more than a speeding incident at the time, they would soon learn that Raymond was living just an hour away from Myrtle Beach at the time of the disappearance and was actually living in a motel in Georgetown, where her cell phone pings came to an end. On May 4th, 2022, he confessed to the crime and agreed to lead investigators to the spot where he discarded her remains. On May 11th, a body was found buried in the woods off a gated private drive outside of Georgetown, and through DNA and dental records, it was identified as Brittany Drexel four days later. From what investigators could figure, she had been strangled to death and buried the morning of April 26, 2009. Raymond Moody was officially arrested and the case, after decades of wondering, began coming to a close. On October 19, 2022, Raymond pleaded guilty to all of the charges against him and was sentenced to life in prison with an additional two consecutive terms of 30 years. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to a terrible thing happened on October 8th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.